listening to Soaring for Souls Radio. The master plan for evangelism lives here. If you are looking for the most effective ways to reach lost souls, you have come to the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who love the Lord and are sharing their best secrets for anyone to become a soul winner. Soaring for Souls, your home for evangelism. Well, hey guys, welcome to today's episode. Today we're talking with Daniel Gaines. Daniel is part of the Soaring for Souls Volunteer Pilot Network as a private pilot. Uh, he's also the co-host of the Soul Training Podcast. Uh, but we're going to be talking to Daniel today about his work um, as the coordinator for the Arusha Tanzania, Tanzania Extension School through Bear Valley. And uh, in fact, he and his family lived in Tanzania for a few years. And so we're very excited about uh, hearing about Daniel's ministry and, and maybe there's somebody listening who has a desire to do mission work, but maybe you just don't know where to begin. Hopefully this episode will just give you a little bit more guidance, a little bit more excitement about the possibilities that are out there. And so, um, on the show, as always, I have my co-host Christian Torres. How are you doing today, brother? Hey, Brian, I am doing great, and I am also so very excited to have our brother Daniel here with us. I know that he will have a lot of great things to say about mission work, and I've been following him on uh, Facebook, and uh, uh, I can see all the work that he is doing, so I know that he's going to have a ton to say about this. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to be on. Absolutely. Well, uh, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about uh, just yourself, your ministry, and uh, how you became involved in, in the work in Tanzania? Sure, sure. Well, um, <clears throat> so I grew up as a, as a preacher's child myself, and my dad did some mission work in Cameroon. So I spent uh, some childhood years living in Africa. Um, and that's not like I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be a missionary. But what that did is it did uh, put mission work in the realm of of things that normal people did in my mind. And I think for a lot of people, mission work isn't something normal people do. It's just something that that other people do, or or I don't know. It's just not on the the table of of things that are within your um. How would you say it? Within the choices of of what you would probably want to do with your life. Right. Anyway, it put it on that table. Uh, so I grew up and go to school at Fred Hardeman, um, along with my wife, Tiffany. And we're there in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and while we're there, there's a campaign group that's going to Tanzania. And so we joined that campaign group. That's the uh, first uh, Safari for Souls campaign uh, back when Cy Stafford was just getting the, two th the TZ2000 campaign up and going, uh, or mm -hmm. mission work up and going. And we were uh, impressed with the work, impressed with the people, the, the methodology, Cy himself, all of it, and thought that one day we wanted to be involved with it on a more uh, full-time basis, but, but not yet. You know, we were newlyweds. There were other things we wanted to do first, like getting life started and, and, uh, established and so some more convenient time we would uh, go back and, and be involved in mission work so uh, you know i get into ministry i spend time as a uh, both in the pulpit and as associate minister at uh, several congregations in mississippi and alabama kentucky um, and then eventually we figure out that life is not becoming uh, more convenient but continually less convenient and a more convenient time doesn't seem to be on the horizon. So if we're ever going to do mission work, we have to pick an inconvenient time and do it. So that's what we did. We picked an inconvenient time and we packed up and moved to Africa and, um, it's, it's made all the difference. Uh, it's been one of the best decisions that, that we ever made. Um, and then, so we came back after our time there was involved in the pulpit again for uh, a couple of years. And then, after uh, Sa passed away, he was the the director of the work, founder of of the work there. Um, we decided to uh, accept the position of of mission coordinator, uh, trying to keep things going on the the track that uh, he had it going on. Um, 
so that, that's what brought us uh, to, to this point. Um, maybe there's more than you wanted to know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's, <laughs> that's, clarity that's somewhere? great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we actually met when you were in Tanzania, when, when I was on a mission campaign, uh, mm-hmm. going when you, when you lived there and, and I mean, you, you were just that cool missionary guy, you know, I mean, you talked about how it's not like a normal path for, uh, you know, people growing up, they don't think about necessarily going. And as you put it, it's like it. So, I mean, obviously there were so many challenges. You, you said packed up and we just packed up and moved to Africa, but there's so much that goes into that. But, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but as you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but to meet you in Africa on the mission field like that and seeing your family live there. And I mean, it, it was just, we admired you so much. It was so, it was so awesome, uh, that you guys were, were living over there and, and obviously your family's just wonderful. And, uh, the hospitality you guys showed was, was just, was just awesome. Um, and because your family, you have a young family and, and uh, so I had a young family, and so it was, you know, I kind of felt a little bit like home too because of because of that. But uh, but it was. Well, I appreciate uh, you saying that. And yeah, you were a great yeah, campaigner absolutely. too. We enjoyed having you. Okay, yeah. Well, it, uh, obviously, those campaigns are pretty much what made me want to go, want to be a missionary as well. The first campaign that I ever went on to Tanzania. But uh, but no, yeah, we appreciate your family so advantages. much. Well, thank you. I think that's one of the great advantages to campaign work. Honestly, I don't know. That's one of the things we've intended to talk about today. But um, it's I think so many missionaries. Obviously, not every every campaigner becomes uh, a full time missionary. But probably very few full time missionaries weren't uh, campaigners at some point beforehand. It just lights yeah, that fire. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said something about. Um, you know, you grew up and you were on the mission field in Cameroon with your family. One of the things Christian and I were just talking about was, um, maybe interviewing some kids and, and maybe we could have you back on and, and you could talk a little bit more to us about what it was like sometime about being a, a child on the mission field as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, we, th- we thought about interviewing some others who maybe were children on the mission field or, um, something along that line. So it's interesting that you say that. Oh, that's a great topic. I'd like to listen to that episode. Sure. Definitely. Uh, now, Daniel, it is, you know, that is impossible or to maybe quantify or prepare yourself for the challenges that you're going to deal with uh, going to a foreign country. You know, um, I came from Mexico and moved to the States in uh, 2008, and I went to the school of preaching in Florida. And uh, I, I I always lived on the border um, near you know, United States, and I grew up with the culture and uh, heard the language a lot, listened to a lot of American music, and I was sort of prepared for the things that I was going to deal with. But when I came, I experienced a big culture shock, a different culture, of course, being immersed in it. Now, what, what were some of the greatest challenges that you had living and moving to a foreign country? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um the, the first thing I would mention is, is a great challenge in moving into a foreign country and living there is uh, actually fundraising, you know, happening on, on this side. You know, it took, uh, it took us a year or maybe a little bit longer to raise the funds that, that we needed. Um, and just that, that was such a, a faith challenging and faith building experience to, to try to get that money, especially, you know, starting from zero, uh, and you've got to find a, a congregation that will be your overseers, and then you've got to raise all of that money. And that's yeah, – it shouldn't be this way, really, but in a lot of ways, the hardest part of mission work is just raising the money that is, is needed for the mission work. Um, mm. But once you get over there, of course, there's uh, culture and, and logistics uh, challenges. People talk about culture uh, shock. I I don't feel like I ever – experience anything i would uh consider shock and it wasn't anything that uh, that instant and, and dramatic that that i would i would call shock but there were times when i experienced what i would more describe as like cultural weariness like 
yeah, there, there's you go in these waves. Sometimes you're you're charmed by the culture and everything that's different and everything is is so interesting and intriguing and wonderful. And then you go through phases where you're just tired of everything being different. You're tired of hearing that language all the time instead of your native language. You're tired of hearing of of the the sights and the smells and and the stuff that that are different from what you're used to. And then you move past that and and you find this kind of even place where um, it, it you're able to appreciate the things that that you like and the things and endure the things you don't like as much. And uh, that's that's where you're trying to get to. But uh, an, another of the the biggest challenges, probably for me the biggest challenge while I was there, is just uh, the the family and the kids and. You, that's why I'm intrigued by your topic about missionary children. You know, trying to do what's best for your children while living on the mission field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, that's it's a very different thing. You imagine uh, Paul as a missionary and, and things like that, but you know, Paul's traveling as a as a single man. I would love love to know more about Peter yeah. and him mm-hmm. taking along his believing wife. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Well. I, if, if I could go and interview Mrs. Peter, <laughs> I, <laughs> that'd be I would a great one. That. What would it be like to to be the family of of an apostle, the family of a missionary, and how they handled the the challenges that, that go along uh, with that? Um, yeah, fa- family issues, trying to do what's best for your kids while also doing what's best for the kingdom. Uh, that's that's really the, the the challenge. I still struggle with. Yeah. It's hard even as, you know, any gospel preacher that's listening out there, just being in the ministry full time, that's hard enough in America. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. on the mission field, <laughs> yeah, that's multiplied by by a thousand. And I, I love I love the way you put that. Uh, the initial part of that uh, that answer as far as it wasn't necessarily cultural shock, but cultural weariness. weariness yeah. And I can understand that 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 makes perfect sense. And you and you said it perfectly. I, I really uh, that, that's uh, you could probably write a book on those three points, the cultural shock, cultural <laughs> weariness and the balance of uh, and then you find eventually maybe a balance. But I'm sure it's still somewhat of a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. But um, well, what about when you came back home? And I, and I know maybe you weren't prepared to answer this uh, part of the question, but were there maybe not equal challenges, but a lot of challenges coming back home? I mean, not only in ministry, but other things. Sure. And and the thing. Except on you because you're you're expecting the culture shock when you go. Um, But what's happened is your home country changed there's a sense in which you can never go back home even mm. even in the states moving from one state to another one town to another if you went back things would be different than they were before uh so your home country changed but then you also changed while you were gone and so there's there's kind of a like a permanent misfit uh situation that develops the the best way that i've seen it illustrated and i wish i could remember the the original source of this illustration so I can give them credit, but I can't. So I'm just going to, just going to grab hold of it. Um, but it's like you're a, you're a, a square and you live in a country of, of squares and then you move to a country of circles. <clears throat> and as you interact with the, the circles, you, you know, bump around there and, and are living there. Some of your edges are, are knocked off and you're, you're no longer a square. You're a triangle. You're not a circle either. You don't you don't totally fit in there. You're never going to be a circle, but you're not a square anymore. Now you're a triangle. And then mm. you move back home to the the country of squares, and you're not a square anymore. You're a triangle. You're something new. You're something different. And so there's very much the sense that you know this this world is not my home. There's there's not a place that. Uh, we completely fit in anymore because uh-huh. our experiences have, have changed us. Uh, so you just sort of live as a, as a sojourner everywhere. Does that make sense? <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I bet Christian understands it more than, more than me for sure. That it's yeah, that man, 
that is some deep stuff. Uh, thinking about that, um, I can personally feel connected to what you're just saying. Um, coming here, moving from family, and trying to adjust to a, a different life, a different language, culture, uh, all the things, you know, there's the church, and, and the truth does not change uh, wherever you go. And uh, But people are different, of course. And uh, some, I don't know, I guess the culture, the, the people that they, the way they talk, uh, even the jokes, it, it's so different. And um, yeah, you try to fit in, but you're never, I guess, part of the, I don't know, I guess you will never be that um, because you come from a different place. And then once you live uh, in an area for so long, everything changes. I, I can definitely I can definitely feel that uh, my my way of thinking changed, and going back home, you don't you don't really fit in. Um, so yeah, that is that is true. Uh, trying to uh, make it back home and trying to adjust, man, those are great challenges. And maybe it's a good thing. I yeah. mean, I mean, maybe maybe it's a good thing because you've picked up some things from another culture that no doubt changed you and probably improved improved sure. you. Um, and, and so coming back, you know, coming back to the American society and um, for you, Daniel, um, you know, even in the ministry probably had some some different challenges, which I think we'll we'll get into. And I'll go ahead and ask that next question. What what have you found to be the best method of spreading the gospel, I guess, in Tanzania and comparing that to America is there a difference there? Are the best are there are there best best methods? I know there's all kinds of methods, but uh, you know, does I guess is there a difference there? I think there is. Um, well, there there is and there isn't. There's there's a sense in which you know people are people, and they have the the same drives and, and motivations uh, everywhere uh, that that you go. And that's one of the things that when, when you go somewhere on a short-term campaign or when you're there just for a few weeks, then all the differences leap out to you and, and you're, you're just enamored by how, oh, well, we do this and they do that and we like this and they like that. And all, all the differences are what you focus on. But then after you've been there a while, what begins to emerge to you is that the differences are relatively superficial. And underneath, people are pretty much the same. They have the, the same passions and, and desires and motivations and uh, many of the same temptations and, and a lot of the same virtues and vices. You know, just uh, underneath, behind the culture, there's there's people. Um, but as far as evangelism techniques, that's that's what you were asking about. One thing that's tremendously effective over there <clears throat> that's not effective over here anymore, uh, I thought they're probably several decades behind us in in the way a lot of things are going, and so I, I expect they'll move more towards where we are now in the future. But uh, just talking to people and handing out tracts and going door-to-door, just opening, they're, they're still open to that. They're still open to uh, – there's a respect for the Bible – and so if you show a stranger a, a, a teaching in the Bible, then there's a good chance that they're going to be willing to accept it and, and act on it. Um, now, I think there was a time that that was true here. It's probably much less true now. I, you know, there's still a place for, for door knocking type of evangelism, you know, cold call type stuff. Um but probably in America, that's much less effective than it is in, in Tanzania, which is one of the joys of doing mission work in Tanzania and, and countries like that is it is so easy to get those Bible studies, to get to that situation where, you know, I've got my Bible open and they've got their Bible open and we're studying what it what it says. And and I feel like as a as a minister and as a missionary, that's that's what I'm really good at is when I'm at that point. Uh, going through that Bible study. I, I, I love that, uh, and, and I feel like that's where I thrive. Um, but in America, it's much harder to get to that point to where you're being able to just sit down and, and open the Bible and study with somebody. Probably more in America, you have the, uh, the relationship-building mm-hmm. model where it's it's – it's a much slower process, but uh, ultimately, when it, it when it bears fruit, 
there's probably a lot less turnover as well because you have people that are uh, committed not only to the truth of what they've been taught, but they have these relationships uh, that are holding them into the, the church that they've become a part of. Um, but showing people uh, your your love for them, building relationship with them, uh, opens up doors to be able to share uh, opinions, truths, teachings uh, with them as well. But like I said, that's um, it's it's just a slower a slower process. Um, but whatever you do, one thing that I think is really important in evangelism that can be neglected sometimes is we've got to hold up Jesus. We've got to be careful that, you know, sometimes what happens is is we find somebody that already believes the Bible, they already believe in Jesus. And so what we want to do is just refine their understanding of, of some doctrines. And so we go in and start uh, proof texting all, all the, 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 the doctrines and, and just say, all right, now this set of, of doctrines you've been taught are wrong because of this reason, and here are the set of doctrines that are uh, more biblical and more accurate, so you need to change your way of thinking from this previous set of doctrines to, to this new set of doctrines because it's, it's the truth. Well, there, there's some validity to that, but what can happen in that process is we focus so much just on the set of doctrines that we lose converting people to Jesus himself and building a relationship with Jesus and affinity for Jesus and appreciation for what he has done for us. And that even with the better set of doctrine that, that we're teaching, um, it's still not our perfect understanding that's, that's gaining our salvation. It's what Jesus has done uh, for us. And uh, d- d- does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It makes perfect sense. Um, Something I've been thinking so, about for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, we can wind up winning people to the church and not to Christ. That's right. And that's a, almost <clears throat> just a superficial Christian then who's probably not going to have very many much roots because it's not founded in the love of Christ. And uh, while those doctrines are important, we do absolutely need to be teaching those things. But kind of the yes. way we go about it, like you said, um, matters. It does. So, it does. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I like that, and I like what you said about you know, it is easier, I think, to get a study in Tanzania, which is one of the reasons, you know, what we go over there because the, the soil is so fertile, they're ready to study. And, um, and it's also, I think, why those campaigners who go grow so much because they are actually getting into studies, which they probably haven't really had too much experience in America with. And so, Anytime a person is involved in Bible study, they are going to grow. And, uh, and when, you're, when you're supposed to lead a study, man, you're going you're gonna to grow. You're forced to grow. And, so, and I think that's one of the reasons that, that prompted me after my first mission trip to, to become a preacher. And so mm-hmm. just because of that growth on that first mission campaign of having to, having to study. And, and so, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. So that's awesome. appreciate Thank your you. comments on that. Yeah, uh, I was going to mention the same thing that Brian was saying. Uh, what got me into ministry and wanting to become a full-time preacher was uh, helping and doing mission work. Um, the way that uh, that happened, I helped a, a group from Arkansas, members of the church who came to Mexico, and I was doing translation work, and it was terrible translation work. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember just being excited. Uh, they were excited about it. They were teaching and, and evangelizing as we would go through the streets of Mexico. And, and I thought, Hey, I want to do this full time. I want to be devoted to this and, and encourage people because I want them to feel the same way that I am feeling. And, um, we just, I, I kept thinking, you know, for you, Daniel, how has living and serving in, in Tanzania changed your outlook and ministry? Well, it, it spoiled me. <laughs> really, because you, you get these these rich ministry experiences there uh, in in evangelism, where it is so easy to set up those studies, and, and you get to spend that time just simply sharing the the simple truth of the gospel uh, with people. And it seems like there's 
there there are church politics there like there are here. Uh, there's church politics everywhere. There are churches. It's just part of the the nature of of things. But it um, it seems like it's so much easier to get those uh, pure, authentic experiences of a first century Christianity, and it, it really just um, it, it it spoils you. But another thing that it's done to me is um, made me more practical when thinking about uh, church money, and I find myself a lot more sensitive. And this goes back to the idea of a fundraising and how difficult that is. But I find myself much more sensitive to what I perceive as wasteful uses or frivolous uses of of church mm-hmm. funds. Um, when you know now, I would much rather see a church make make very practical uh, choices about their their facilities and and, and about the, the things they use their money on. And I, I hesitate to get into too many specifics uh, examples with that because I don't want to you know alienate your segments of your audience um but i think people are smart enough to figure out you know do we do we really need to be spending money on on this event or on this thing with our with our facilities or could we do something less there and use that money for evangelism absolutely uh, either world evangelism or local evangelism if we don't have the local evangelism and, and the local churches continuing to grow they're not going to be in a position to be able to help with uh with world evangelism so there's there's a balance there mm-hmm. you can't spend all your funds to one side to the neglect of the other that's right yeah yeah i would completely agree with with that when you when you came back to the states and you you know you i think were preaching full-time uh or something is that right yeah for at least a little bit you were preaching full-time when you came back is that right that's right yeah that's okay right. and so were you completely disgusted with uh <laughs> like the lack of compared to what you could get as far as in, in Tanzania where you just, I mean, I know, you knew, you know, you know, coming back, well, okay. Americans mm-hmm. just, they're not as easy to get into Bible studies with, but, uh, is it, they're not, they're is not. it where you just, was there a period where you had to just kind of almost accept it again that, okay, they're not going to accept it like they did in Tanzania. And, I've got to get that through my head. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Uh, that's right. It, you have to temper your expectations uh, of people. Um, and that was something that even when I, when I first went into ministry, uh, way, you know, fresh out of college, mm. being very idealistic, thinking that, well, if I show somebody that the gospel teaches, that the Bible teaches this, then they're going to do it. You know, obviously, that's that's what you would do. Well, People don't, <laughs> and, and change happens uh, happens slowly, and you have to be uh, patient with that. And if you act too impatiently with people because your expectations are unrealistic, then you wind up doing them a disservice uh, in the process. So that's part of meeting people where they are, uh, and I think Jesus did that to an extent where with his apostles, he sometimes had to bring them along sort of slowly in in their understanding of of things and their expectations. Even after he's resurrected, they're still asking, you know, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to establish your kingdom? (laughs) Um, You know, so people, you just, you have to be patient with people. Yeah. I think about that a lot and and think, man, how many times did Jesus do uh, face palms? You know, after, right. <laughs> like, or rolled his eyes. Like, Come on, man. We've been through this. Right. When are you going to get it? Like, yeah. 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 Why are you so dumb? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then it's like, well, I made you, so that's kind of on me. Oh, man. Oh, uh, well, we already talked a little bit about, um, you know, some of the Bear Valley stuff, but I would like you, and, and maybe in this also, because you are involved in, in so many other things. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted also to touch on your soul training podcast because I love that podcast. You guys are doing a great job with that. Um, can you share, can you share a little bit more about, I guess what you do, uh, first, first, maybe talk a little bit about the soul training podcast and, and let our, let our uh, listeners kind of know about that. And then also, uh, maybe a little bit more about your, your role and what you do as the coordinator at, at Bear Valley. Okay, sure. Uh, well, the soul training podcast, uh, that you mentioned, drops um every other friday and you can well it has been dropping every other friday 
And we've just added a new segment called Soul Training Overtime that's just like a little five-minute thing that we drop on the, the in-between Fridays. So now, every Friday, you can find some content from Soul Training. And it, it's available on um, you know wherever fine podcasts are found. So, you know, whether it be Spotify or Apple podcast or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's me and a couple of guys from South Green Street Church of Christ, uh, just in a conversational format, not all that different from what we're doing here today. Uh, just discuss spiritual topics. Um, and it, it's been, we've been doing it for a little over a year now, uh, and we're really enjoying it. It's, um, it's been an edifying thing to be a part of and um I'm, I'm proud of what we've put out there and hope that it would be uh, a blessing to uh, to any of your listeners that would also want to check that out um so that's that's the soul training podcast okay um and then you asked too about my role with uh with bear valley and with hoover i, I wear sort of two hats um right now relative to the work in Tanzania, the Hoover Church of Christ oversees the work as a, as a whole. And I serve as the mission coordinator uh, for them. And so that work includes the Andrew Carlin School of Preaching. It includes uh, working with campaigns and um, several dozen congregations and, and preachers in East Africa that our graduates are helping to establish or working with and, and things like that. Um, and then also I serve as the, the Bear Valley Extension Coordinator you know, for the Andrew Collins School of Preaching, specifically there in Arusha, Tanzania. And what that involves is being the basically the liaison between the School of Preaching and Bear Valley. And uh, Bear Valley at Hoover's invitation operates the the school preaching in terms of providing uh, curriculum and uh, our accreditation, our degree comes from them, all that that sort of thing. Uh, so that's that's sort of my dual hats there. And so a a huge part of what I'm in charge of now is is fundraising for the whole work. And so something that's different about when I was just when I was a missionary working with the work versus the coordinator of the work is then I was just responsible for raising the funds for my own family and the, the work that we were doing specifically. Well, now I'm responsible for the, the budget of the, of the entire work, the, the school uh, raising money to help support um, the local evangelist and uh, just a, a lot, a lot of things. Um, so it's a much, much more expansive large project to try to take hold of. So I have to spend more time in fundraising and, and doing presentations at, at congregations uh, all over the country. And then I spend as much time as I can actually in Tanzania last month uh, or last year, we spent uh, four months in Tanzania. Uh, and so that was, that's what I really like is, is being there uh, on the ground, getting to teach classes at the school of preaching, getting to, do evangelism, even just getting to go and visit as many congregations as I can over there to better see what their circumstances are, what their challenges are, what they need uh, from us that, that we can help with, um, and also to kind of verify what it is that they're doing. Because as I'm here uh, raising money to try to help provide things they need, like like buildings and and evangelism tools and, and things like that. Um, I'm endorsing you know, what what they're doing, so I need to lay eyes on it sometimes and, and make sure that uh, there's accountability for for what's going on. Uh, it seems so like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it, go ahead. It seems like when 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 you do that, when you go over to and visit like some of these congregations, I mean, just the encouragement that you provide as well to them, just by somebody. Somebody caring, I guess, uh, yes. that, that somebody cares about them enough to come all the way from America and to visit them. Some of these way out in the bush that, you know, mm -hmm. nobody would visit. Um, and and just that encouragement that you give definitely that preacher, uh, but the whole congregation. I mean, that's there's some huge value there as well, I would think. 
Right, and, and makes them feel seen. And then, you know, I'm able to take you know, pictures from them and their circumstances and share that with churches thousands of miles away to help them be even more seen. Um, I went and visited one congregation and, and the preacher there, this was very, very humbling to me. I thought it was an overstatement. I didn't really understand it fully, but he said literally, this is a dream come true that you've come to visit our congregation. Wow. I thought, well, why? Who am I? I'm not. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know why that would be a dream come true, but for him, it was a huge deal to have us there visiting with them and, and seeing that they are connected. They're, they can feel isolated sometimes. Yeah. And so when we go and spend time with them, it helps them feel connected to a the, the broader worldwide body of, of Christ. I think there's value on that. Yeah, the, I can definitely relate to that. And in and, uh, and talking to different people from different countries, once you make that contact and create bonds, you feel like, hey, the church is more in more places just in, in this area. And you mm-hmm. get to meet people from different places and, and get to see that, hey, they're loving. They want the same thing that I want to follow Christ, be faithful, to be strong. And and uh, it is that mutual encouragement that, that helps us uh, keep moving forward. And, and it is so beautiful. It is so amazing. And uh, it is empowering as well. I feel like, man, if people were to maybe open their eyes or, or maybe look at the horizon instead of just looking locally, which there is nothing wrong. Evangelism needs to happen locally. You mentioned that balance. We need to do the work here so that we can also help others out there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes um, we just focus so much on, hey, we need to better ourselves. We need to do the work here that we forget. Hey, there's other people out there uh, who also need the gospel. And uh, once they make that connection, it is something so beautiful. Now, how long have you been uh, doing this, uh, Daniel? Well, I started uh, doing full-time work there from 2013 to 16. Came back and did pulpit work in America for a couple of years. And then in 2019, got uh, re-involved as the the coordinator on a full-time basis. So almost three years now, I've been in this role and was a located missionary for three years as well. Wow. Now, um, you have some experience, and and that is the reason that we're interviewing you, and and, uh, we really appreciate your insight. You have really said some things that I'm I'm taking notes for and and, uh, maybe explaining some of the ways that missionaries feel. Um, What is something a listener could do today to prepare themselves for full-time mission work uh, living in another country? Well, um, the first thing I would say is do short-term work. Go do campaigns in in different places um, for a number of reasons. One that gives you a a little sampling, a a little taste of of the work. And when you get there full-time, it's going to be different in in many ways. But that gives you a sampling of it. That also lets you see maybe some different mission uh, models and, and and you can see that the mission field is different in different locations. Uh, you learn not to universalize uh, all of your experiences because if you say, well, hey, I went on a campaign to uh, to Guyana, uh, so I'm probably ready to go and and do full time work in Botswana. Well, you know, it's it's a different situation. Um, so go sample the work in in different places. And make sure you go and visit the place where you're thinking about doing full-time work before you go. That was something um, my dear friend and mentor, Asai Stafford, uh, would tell you that that he did wrong. It worked out for him, but when he decided to move to Tanzania, he'd never been there. And the first time he went to Tanzania was when he, he got off the plane with the one-way ticket and his family as they were moving there. And that's, and he, he would tell you that's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> I did not realize that about Cy. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. That, something? that is faith. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's faith. That's something that says something about uh, the kind of man he was. Um, but I don't recommend doing it that way. Uh, make sure oh. you take that scouting trip and, and do some short-term work. Um, but do the short-term work with an eye towards 
long-term work. So you're, you're there not, not just as a campaigner, but you're constantly asking yourself the question, or what would it be like to live here and, and think logistics as well? You know, how would I, how would I go about life? Where, what would I do about, uh, about groceries? What do you do about finding a, a place to live? What do you do about, you know, just with, as you're scouting, you're, you're over there as a campaign, but also you're, you're thinking logistically about what it would be like to set up life in this, this other country. Um, and then the other thing is just be humble. And this is so hard for people that people that uh, want to be missionaries. A lot of us are these alpha personalities. We're willing to do things in unusual ways, which is what opens us up to to mission work to to begin with. Um, kind of a path less less chosen. But a lot of times missionaries and people that get into it go into it with the mindset that they already know everything and they know the best way to do everything and have a very arrogant attitude towards the, the, the local people. Um, and that's that's totally the wrong way to approach it. Uh, we need to have a balanced uh, approach towards the locals. I've also seen people that that just – are totally enamored by the way the locals do everything and, and think that, that it is just automatically the best thing if that's the way the locals do it. I've seen people that have the opposite attitude that think everything the locals do that's different is automatically wrong and they need to be educated out at it. Well, mm. neither of those positions is true. Some things the locals are going to do better in ways that you haven't thought of. Some things uh, they do need to be educated out of. Uh, so you have need to go into it with a humble attitude that I don't know everything. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to learn stuff from the people that I'm going to to teach. Uh, but I also have things that they need to know that I'm going to be teaching. So there's that balance again. We've used that word several times in this conversation, uh, but that's that's important. Uh, humility. I don't know how many times, uh, Brian, you weren't necessarily like this, but. I don't know how many times we saw campaigners that had gone on one campaign or even several campaigns and suddenly thought they were experts in Tanzanian culture yeah. uh, because they had spent a few weeks there. On the other hand, the the G family that had spent 10 years there in the last year before they went home, I remember Jimmy saying that they still were learning things about culture all the time and still didn't really consider themselves to be experts on Tanzanian culture. Yeah. You know, what a huge difference that is. Somebody's there for a couple of weeks, uh, feels pretty, pretty authoritative about it. And somebody's been there for 10 years is still talking about how much they, they have to learn all the time. Yeah. Um, and some of that is just that we, we have a natural tendency to universalize our experiences. And if we have a very small sampling of experience then we feel confident saying well you know tanzanians are like this because we have interacted with a few tanzanians well you know try to reverse that and think about universalizing americans um you know you could you can make the statement and not to get political here but you can make the statement that americans love donald trump that's a true statement right there are Americans that are passionately love Donald Trump. You could also say Americans hate Donald Trump, which is also equally true uh, of certain Americans. It depends on who you've been around and what your um, what your experience is. So you got to be careful about universalizing uh, and painting with a, a broad brush. The Tanzanians think this and the Tanzanians do that when it might just be a small sample. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. yeah, it does. And, and, and as you were already uh, making the correlation here in America, I mean, it's this, we need humility here too in our evangelistic efforts. I mean, <laughs> nobody wants to, nobody wants to study with somebody who's just going to, who's just going to be arrogant and tell them everything they need to know. And they don't care about listening to the person and um, you know, who they already think they know everything. And so, I mean, it carries over in all aspects and I'm sure Definitely, like you were saying, in in mission work and living in another country, that's, you know, so I completely agree with that. 
But uh, it's time for our soul-saving hot seat, Daniel. Are you ready uh, for I wore it? my padded pants, so Good. I'll be ready for the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need them. <laughs> In our soul-saving hot seat, though, we ask the same three questions to each one of our guests, and these questions are designed to provide just simple tricks of the trade. So uh, are you ready for the first one? Let's do it. What is your favorite podcast, book, or resource besides the Bible that has helped you the most? Well, my favorite podcast, I've got to say, is Soul Training. Um, I want to point your your listeners uh, towards that in addition to this uh, fine podcast. Matter of fact, I think we need to do something reciprocal. We need to have you guys on Soul Training for an episode. Uh, That would be great. Let's try to set that up uh, in the future. but as far as uh, books and resources, as a as a resource, I'd like to mention uh, apologeticspress.org. It's um, you know, obviously a, a free website, but they've got loads of articles and materials and information about uh, all types of uh, apologetics type questions that, that you might have. Uh, it's a, a great place to go and, and find answers to um answers to some some difficult biblical issues and so that's one there's there's lots of resources out there of course but and then as a, as a, a book honestly anything written by c.s lewis has been really helpful to me you know i know that's not super new and current but you know christianity hasn't changed um but things like mere christianity even things like screw tape letters he has such a, a way with uh, expressing uh, words and, and thoughts and in ways that really click with the with the way that I think and, and connect with with my brain. And so I, I love going back and, and reading some of, of his old stuff. And it's been uh, influential uh, to me. Very good. Very good. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would give to an evangelism or missionary starting out? And maybe we kind of already covered this, but maybe uh, let's just hear what you got. A little bit, but um, I'll mention two things. One is is get in the book. That time, especially early in your ministry and preparing for ministry, there's a, a readiness to, uh, to, to get out and really get into the the heart of, of ministry and and sometimes uh, a young minister might have a reluctance to spend as much time in study as as he really needs to but that time that you're internalizing the scriptures that time that you're learning the bible is is going to set a groundwork for the rest of your ministry and you just almost can't study too much in in those first few years um, because that's that literally is informing what it is that you're going to be uh, teaching people. So develop that personal relationship uh, with with God, where you're studying not only for sermon preparation and that sort of thing, but you're just becoming a person of uh, the book um, and, and a person who is is really listening to the Bible in your own life. That's going to help you uh, later on in. Uh, in your ministry, whether it's uh, local evangelism or uh, being a missionary or anything like that. And the second thing I would mention is, you know, going back to a theme from earlier, is be patient with people. Um, it's when we first become ministers, we're so idealistic, we're so gung-ho, and people are going to disappoint us. Um, just expect that and, and don't be too harsh with them as a result of it. Um, bring people along slowly. Understand that it took people a long time to get to the place in life where they're at, where you're meeting them, and they're probably not going to suddenly change their worldview after one great sermon that you preach. <laughs> uh, so just be willing to bring people along slowly and not let that uh, discourage you. Great, great pieces of advice for sure. <clears throat> All right, last one. What has been your favorite place to do mission work or evangelism work? 
Oh, well, of course it's Tanzania, right? <laughs> um, that's, that's why I keep going back there. I'm, I'm addicted to it. Just, I can't, can't get enough of it. Now I've, I've also done, um, mission work in some other locations, locations. My first campaign that I ever took was when I was in high school, actually the summer before high school, uh, I took a, a campaign to Suriname in South America and I, I would trace back my desire to be a minister to that campaign because before then I was, uh, my thoughts were about making money. It was my career ambitions all centered on what do I think would make the most money, the fastest, the easiest. That's, that's what it was about. My experience on that campaign, you know, that's, that's a, a benefit too. I think of young people going on campaigns you know, somebody might think what, how much good is a, is a, eighth grader going into ninth grade really doing on a campaign i don't know that i did a lot of good for them i, I handed out tracks but sure. they did a world of good for me and changed the trajectory of of my life is from then on i started thinking more and more about ministry and more and more about saving souls and, and saw the importance of that uh, also have taken five uh, trips to romania and that was uh, enriching as well. It was more of a, a medical mission type of thing. Romania was um, much more difficult uh, soil as far as talking about how easy it is to convert people. And so that was a good experience for me in understanding that different mission points are are different. And your uh, experiences are going to vary from one country to another, or even from one mission point within a country uh, to to another one. I love the people there, but it was uh, much more difficult in terms of evangelism. And then, of course, I told you I spent childhood years in Cameroon, but uh, my very favorite, of course, is Tanzania. Hmm. Yeah, very good. Very good. I think we've we've uh, gotten some amazing, amazing uh, advice, and, and it's been a great conversation about all this. We, we've certainly enjoyed learning about, about your, your life and your ministry and, and all the good you're doing for the kingdom, so we appreciate you, brother. Definitely. Well, I've enjoyed chatting with you all. Thank you for having me on. Definitely, Daniel. Uh, thank you so very much for being on the show with us today, and um, it is finally good to get to talk to you and get to see all the wonderful things that you have to say about it. Um, I will say this, and and I know that you're going to deflect what I'm about to say, but you have a great insight, great insight that you have gained uh, through experience and, and reading and studying God's word. Uh, can definitely tell that, that you are really good at, at doing that. And uh, thank you. Thank you so very much for your willingness to share it with us and our audience. Uh, Daniel, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and your work? I know that you mentioned already uh, the podcast and, and uh, also Bear Valley, the work that you do with them. Uh, but is there any other place? Yes, absolutely. Um, you can, <clears throat> uh, there's a website, TanzaniaMissions.com. Uh, there's a, a blog that uh, I update on a, on a regular basis that's, uh, uh, TanzanianMissions.blogspot.com. We are on Facebook at, at Tanzanian Missions, um, and then you can. I send out a an email newsletter uh, every once or twice a month, and you can uh, send me your email address, and I'll be happy to um, add you to that list, and you can know more about it. And if you're connected with a congregation, I would love to come and, and speak with your congregation about the work in Tanzania. Uh, reach out to me. My my personal email address is uh, daniel-gaines at hotmail.com. daniel-gaines at hotmail.com. And reach out to me, and I would, uh, would love to talk with you more about the work in Tanzania. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, please remember to click the follow button and join us next time on the Soaring for Souls podcast, your home for evangelism.